Indeed, Jesus Christ is risen, and we continue to celebrate the truth of the resurrection, and we're going to start off by reading uh, one of these resurrection appearances of Jesus. This one is from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 19 through 23. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors were locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them, and if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Our sermon series this season of Easter is called Alive. And for the rest of April and most of May, we're going to be reading several of the stories from the Gospels where the risen Jesus appeared to his followers. Acts 1.3 says that he showed himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them for 40 days. 40 days after the resurrection was the ascension when the apostles saw Jesus taken up alive into heaven. And during those 40 days, the risen Jesus appeared many times to his followers and taught them many things. The first ones to see him were the women at the tomb, Mary Magdalene and the other women who came to the tomb early on Sunday morning expecting to find a dead body. What they found instead was the stone rolled away and the tomb empty and an angel proclaiming he is risen. And then they met the risen Jesus for themselves. They knew that it was true. He sent them to go and tell the disciples, which they did. We heard all about that first resurrection appearance last Sunday on Easter Today is not Easter Sunday, but in our Bible readings for today, it still is. The the passage that I just read from John 20 began when it was evening on that day, meaning the evening of Easter Sunday. This is later that same day. Mary Magdalene and the other women have delivered the news that they were sent to deliver. And when the disciples heard the word delivered by the women, They said, wow, Jesus is alive, that's great, glad to hear it, thanks for bringing us the good news. No. No, that's that's not what, what the disciples said. Luke tells us directly what the disciples thought of the women's message. These words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. These words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. Perhaps some things are just too good to be true. In a couple of weeks, we'll read the the next part of John where he he tells about Jesus' appearance to the disciple named Thomas, uh, the, the one that we usually refer to as Doubting Thomas. He wasn't there with the other disciples on that Easter Sunday for some reason, but I assure you that there was no shortage of doubt in that room. I think it's unfair to to pin that moniker of doubting on Thomas alone, as if he alone was the only disciple who refused to believe. They were all told the good news by the women, just as Thomas 
was told the good news by them, every one of them refused to believe until they saw Jesus for themselves. They were in that locked room because they doubted. They did not believe that Jesus had been raised. They were convinced that he was still dead. But it wasn't doubt alone that kept them locked in that room. It was also fear. John says the doors were locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Fear and doubt go hand in hand, don't they? If you don't believe that Jesus is alive, then there is no hope. There is no promise. Everything is fearful. Everything a threat. They had good reason to be afraid. Jesus, the, the disciples' glorious leader, he had been horrendously murdered just days before. The one whom they had followed for three years, the one they had left everything for, given up their livelihoods and said goodbye to their families for, the one whom they had hoped and believed would be the Messiah, the Christ, the Holy One of God. He was dead, executed like a common criminal, hung naked on a cross. What then would become of his followers? That was the question that they couldn't answer and they couldn't shake from their minds what would become of them. They had been seen with Jesus for the last three years they had been with him. They had professed their faith in Jesus publicly as he entered into Jerusalem to the cheers of the crowds. They would undoubtedly be recognized. They would be known. They would be pointed out, hunted down. That was the fear which plagued them as they huddled together in that upper room behind a locked door. Fear of the Jewish leaders, doubt about the truth of the resurrection, fear of the uncertainty facing them, doubt about their place in God's plan, fear of an immense and powerful world set against them, doubt about the point of even trying to go on, fear and doubt. That is why the disciples were hiding in that room. But it's not just the first disciples hiding in that room, is it? We're in there too, huddled together with them, crippled by our own human frailty, tormented by our tendency to believe the worst, our inability to believe the best, the way that we anticipate failure, expect disappointment, our urgency to flee from the possibility of pain or the hint of danger. The disciples were paralyzed by their doubts and fears. They were stuck in that room because they didn't know what else to do. And I get that. I'm just like that myself. I'm the type of person that if I don't know what to do, I do nothing. If I don't know what to say, I say nothing. There are some people that will go out and do something, say anything, even if it's the wrong thing. Not me. Fear and doubt paralyze me. So, so I get what the disciples were doing in that room. They were doing nothing because they were paralyzed by doubt and fear. We live in a society that encourages us to be fearful 
a world that stokes our fears. We're endlessly reminded that we live in a world spinning out of control. You can turn on one news channel and hear nonstop 24-hour commentary on how one party or persuasion is destroying the country. And then you turn to a different channel and hear how the other party or persuasion is destroying the country. Even in the church. Even in the church, there's always going to be someone eager to convince you that someone else is destroying your church or trying to take your church away from you. And the message they want you to respond to is, be afraid. Be very afraid. Even without someone stoking it, we have all of our anxieties that come naturally to us. The welfare of our families and friends dominate our waking thoughts. Worries over work or school fill our sleepless nights. Will I be able to make ends meet? Am I gaining too much weight? Will she recover from that illness? Will he ever talk to me again? Does anyone care about me? Am I doing enough for others? Am I going to make the grade? Am I going to survive the cut? Will my retirement plan hold out? All of these questions that we become obsessed over and, and that may well render us fear-stricken and paralyzed, huddled together with those first disciples, locked away emotionally, spiritually, physically even, detached and disconnected from whatever we fear may hurt us or harm us in some way, hiding from the world, hiding from one another, What is the fear that has you trapped in that locked room? As you feel the weight of those doubts, the weight of those fears come upon you, then listen to what happened to the disciples as they huddled behind the locked doors of that upper room. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Jesus entered into that locked room, that chamber of fear. They didn't open the door for him. They didn't invite him in. They, they didn't even know that was an option. They didn't even believe Jesus was alive. He appeared behind those locked doors, and the first word he had for those terrible, terrified disciples was peace. Peace be with you. So far we've been talking about a passage from John's gospel. Luke is the other gospel writer who tells this same story. But he tells it a bit differently. For one thing, before telling about this appearance of Jesus to the disciples, Luke tells about Jesus appearing to two other disciples along the road to Emmaus. We'll hear about that appearance of Jesus next week. And at the end of that story, Luke tells us that those two disciples rushed back to Jerusalem to tell the other disciples that Jesus had appeared to them, but they arrived too late to break the news because when they got there, they found the other disciples saying, the Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Now here's a curious thing. One of the great mysteries of the Bible, apparently before Jesus appeared to the disciples gathered together that evening, he had already appeared to Peter alone. 
That's who Simon is, Peter. The disciples were saying, he has appeared to Simon. But none of the Gospels record that meeting between the risen Christ and Peter. I really wish that they did. I really want to know what stupid thing Peter said that time. I guess I'll have to wait until I get to heaven to find that out. But anyway, according to Luke, the risen Christ had appeared to Peter at some unknown time. He had appeared to two other disciples on the road to Emmaus. So when they all came together in that locked room that evening, they, they had the testimony not only of the women, but also at least of three male disciples, including the lead disciple. And the other disciples sure sounded like they believed them. But then there's this. Here's what it says in Luke 24, verses 36 and 37. While they were talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. But they were startled and terrified and thought that they were seeing a ghost. A couple things about that. First, even though right before this they were saying, The Lord has risen indeed it's pretty obvious that they didn't really believe it, did they? They were still hiding behind locked doors in fear and doubt. And when the risen Christ showed up, they were startled and terrified and thought they were seeing a ghost. They thought that Jesus was a ghost. They wouldn't have thought Jesus was a ghost if they truly believed he had been resurrected. Perhaps on top of their fear of the Jews and the world outside those doors, the disciples might also have been fearful of being judged by those inside the doors. So they let on like they believed, even though it still sounded like an idle tale to them. You know, last week there were a whole lot of people filling this church saying, Christ has risen indeed. I'm sure there were more than a few that didn't actually believe it. Are we able to admit our doubts and trust that we will still be welcomed and loved within the community of faith? Or are we just as scared of the church as we are of the world? The other thing about those verses from Luke, even though Luke and John give two very different accounts of the same appearance, there's one detail that they both agree on and which is emphasized in both Gospels. The very first words of Jesus, peace be with you. They both agree. The first word of the risen Christ to the gathered disciples, peace. Shalom in Hebrew. It's a Jewish greeting. Commonly the first word spoken by a Jewish person upon entering a room. In that sense, of course, it was the first word that Jesus would say when he presented himself alive to the disciples. And yet the word goes so much deeper than just a standard greeting. Shalom does not mean the same thing as hello. Shalom means peace, but not the kind of peace that is the absence of conflict. Rather, it is an inner calm, a spiritual comfort. It implies physical health and emotional contentment an abiding faith. It's a holistic word that wishes well-being in every possible way. Jesus stepped into that locked room, a room filled with doubt, a room full of fear. He stepped into the lives of his disciples, lives that were in 
terrible upheaval and turmoil, lives that were on the brink of spinning out of control, and the word that he spoke to them, peace, shalom. And just like that, just like that, the risen Christ steps into our places of deepest torment and pain, Wherever there is fear in your life, whatever the sorrow, whatever the pain, Jesus comes and stands right in the middle of that locked chamber, and the word that he speaks to you, peace, shalom, faith, life. But how? How can Jesus relate to me? How can Christ's life have an impact on the troubles that I'm going through right now? If that's what you're thinking, or if you've ever wondered that, let me tell you what Jesus did next. This is another detail that Luke and John both agree on in both gospel accounts of this appearance. After Jesus said, peace be with you, the very next thing he did was show them his hands and his side. In Luke's gospel, he even invited them to touch his hands and his side, just as in John's gospel, he would later do the same for Thomas. What they found there in his hands were the holes where the nails had pierced through. What they found in his side was the hole where the spear had been jabbed into him. Why did he want them to see even to feel those holes. On the surface level, it, it seems like a simple matter of identification. They could see that this was the same Jesus who had been nailed to the cross. But there's a deeper dimension here than that. He's not just showing them who he is. He's showing them what he has gone through. This Jesus who is alive now and with us forevermore is the same Jesus who was rejected by his own people, who was deserted by his closest friends, who was mocked, spit on, scourged, nailed on a cross, pierced in his side. When Jesus shows us his hands and his side, he isn't just it, this isn't just about us identifying Jesus. It's about Jesus identifying with us. This Jesus, risen to new and eternal life, is the same man who lived a mortal life filled with disappointment, who suffered a mortal death and painful death. Jesus knows what it is to suffer. Jesus knows what it is to have the world coming against you and even the religious community coming down on you. Jesus knows. He understands. Perhaps more deeply than anyone else ever could because he was so perfectly innocent and yet so mercilessly betrayed. The disciples rejoiced when they saw the risen Lord, not just because they were reunited with their old friend, 
but because they saw in his wounded flesh who he really was. He was the one who had suffered every pain imaginable, rejection, betrayal, beating, piercing, murder. He had suffered it all, and yet he's alive. He's alive. The Lord has redeemed our mortal lives and proven that no matter what trials we might go through, no matter what pain we may have to endure, the Lord will deliver us to new life, joyous life, eternal life. How can Christ relate to me? He can relate to me because he lived this mortal life just like me. How can Jesus say to me, peace be with you in the midst of such troubling times as this? He can say that. He can offer that peace because through his suffering and death, Christ was raised to new life, delivering that same promise of new life to me. The power of death is no more. Jesus Christ is raised, and so shall we be. Peace be with you. And friends, there may be nothing that this world needs more and experiences less than this peace, this shalom. Warring between nations, between factions, between neighbors, between family members, even within the church, even within ourselves, peace is in all too short of a supply. It doesn't matter how long you've been hiding in that locked room. It doesn't matter what drove you in there in the first place. Christ. The living Christ comes through those walls and he stands among you even now and he says, peace be with you. Into all of the muck and the grime of real life, the living Christ comes and breathes upon us new life, new hope, a new way of being. Peace be with you. Are you hurting because of a relationship gone wrong? Peace be with you. Are you grieving because of a loved one gone too soon? Peace be with you. Are you suffering the consequences of a mistake that you can't take back? Peace be with you. Are you plagued by anger and resentment that you know you need to release, but it just keeps coming back to you? Peace be with you. Are you trapped in a dead end, not knowing where to turn? Peace be with you. Are you caught up in family turmoil? 
peace be with you. Are you obsessed with partisan battles? Peace be with you. Are you crippled with fear? Peace be with you. Are you concerned for your eternal salvation? The peace of the risen Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead. Sin and death shall plague us no more. Eternal life is our inheritance in Jesus Christ. Peace be with you.